You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we're doing another suburb update as promised. We've spoken about Fremantle. We've spoken about Willoughby. We're about to speak about Kelmscott, but today we are speaking about the city of Belmont. And there's only one man I want to talk to about the city of Belmont with. He is Devin Kelly of Kelly Real Estate. Mate, it was episode 19 in April 2019 when we first had a chat on the podcast. We're now at episode 273. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Trent. You're making me feel old today, mate, but it's great to be here. We were both in that experience together and we've both experienced the market over the last five years together, whether it's as a seller yourself or a buyer developer developer on my side. There's been a lot of stories, especially in the city of Belmont when it comes to growth. And it's, to be frank, not been too dissimilar to that median story on how the middle income families have been faring in their house values over the last few years. The first thing I want to talk about before we get into detail about some of the suburbs, about certain planning environments in the city of Belmont, is a conversation that we had right at the end of our suburb spotlight in 2019. I asked you the median house price at the time and what was your answer it was four hundred and thirty thousand for a three by one in belmont and that was quite a beneficial median house price to have at the time wasn't it given the fact that it lined up perfectly at the time with the first home buyer's rate of stamp duty being four hundred and thirty thousand to your sales pitch to everyone coming into the suburb was look we're a fantastic price point here you don't have to pay any stamp duty for a regular house yeah, and unfortunately the first home buyers aren't there anymore because the prices have gone up but at 430 we were right at the dip of the bottom of the market and it was a perfect time to buy it was pretty much the bottom if you look at the statistics april march 2019 were the darkest days of the perth property market we had about 16 17,000 properties on the market at that point at the moment we're sitting around 3,800. We were transacting on about 500 properties a week. We're now transacting on about 900 properties a week. The rental vacancy rate was up at about 7.5. It's now at about 0.4%. And you would have noticed over the last five years, there have been some significant changes, not only in your buyer pool, as you've just said, but also the price point to get into certain property types. At 4.30, what sort of property were you telling us you would and should and could buy in the city of Belmont at the time. We would have been buying a three by one double brick and tile, potential triplex block, potential eight unit site right near the Belmont Forum. On a full block? Full block, eight, nine hundred square metres. You might have even stolen a thousand metres at that stage if you're in the right spot. So that was April 2019. What are we paying for that particular property now? It's gone through the roof, but I did sell one on the weekend for 810. So the median house price has shifted from 430 to 640. But that particular property you were talking about, which demonstrates clearly it was a hot tip at the time, that particular property you would have bought for $430,000 is not only six forty; dollars it's actually in the 800s now. Yeah, 810 with three offers on the table. So three buyers can't be wrong. Yeah, well, what that shows for me straight away for everyone listening along is there's serious value on this podcast to having a conversation with the top agents in the area. At the time, you could have bought any type of property at the median house price in Belmont. What we're demonstrating here is what looks like an 85 to 90% increase in value. It's amazing, obviously, because you're at the coalface every day, you don't really register the increases, but when you look at the hard data, someone's made some money. It's probably the first time you've really thought about this in five years, isn't it? It really is, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been 
been in here for a while. And when we think about the different price points along the way, it's not just about the development block that you mentioned was the best bet at the time. It turns out it has been. There are many other housing types in the city of Belmont. We've got we've got the Rivervale small scale apartments that I remember you telling me you could buy for early 200,000s at the time. Some I think were even starting with a one five years ago. They were below replacement value. You've got your townhouses on the larger townhouse blocks, three up to 16 that I've seen in the city of Belmont. And then you've got your duplex halves and, and those sort of things. Can you run us through that Rolodex of different housing types in Belmont and the Belmont area and what you're probably paying for them now? Well, I remember back then the brand new apartments, we were selling those at just on the 300 mark. And I did sell one last week, same property, first buyer that bought it, 425 so he's made 125k in that four-year period. These smaller apartment units, would you say that they really got smashed quite a lot in value and have been on the recovery path for a while? I mean, you can see there, it's not a immaterial growth there, but when you compare the growth compared to a development block, it's night and day. Townhouses, they got pretty low at one point, certainly below replacement value. What were you trading them for in April 2019? Probably around that 500 mark. Where are they now? 520. I've got a block in Cloverdale, six sold, 700 grand each. And look, that's Cloverdale. That's Cloverdale. It's not even Belmont Rivervale. No, no, Rivervale, you have got 19 under construction in Alexander Road and they're going to be high 700s. Yeah. Look, we're seeing that median price rise of about the 40% space at the time. Yeah. When we think about the city of Belmont, it's had some renovation, some renewal, obviously, in the last five years, some gentrification. Gateway WA improvements and the Belmont form improvements, I believe they were already done back then. But what we have seen is that Redcliffe train station come on and obviously around the Redcliffe area, some real civil changes around how the airport interfaces with the community. Has yeah. that had much of an impact on the Redcliffe value in the last five years? The Great Eastern Highway works that were done down on the intersection of Tonkin, people are starting to jump on that area now. The location's easy to get. It's very central in and out. With the DA6 vision plan, which has been in the minds of everyone for nearly 20 years, is imminent and a lot of uh, speculators are jumping on that now. We were talking about that DA6 plan in the Redcliffe episode about four years ago. The discussion was that it was coming along. Would you suggest it's probably gone a bit slower than people have hoped? It probably has, but after talking to a lot of people, the tunnelling was a big issue. It did create a lot of cracking in homes, a lot of damage to homes in that Ascot-Redcliffe area. So I think the government had done the right thing by getting the tunnelling out of the way first before they go and develop a whole new section of Redcliffe. But I mean, that is the plan, isn't it, going forward? If you look at those master plans on the City of Belmont website, it will be, hopefully, quite a nice little hub there that interfaces with the airport precinct. Yeah, the facilities are in there now. Uh, they've got Woolworths in there. The DFO, it's all really taking shape. You just need to go for a drive through there and you can understand how it's going to be. One thing we do know on this podcast that we've spoken about many times is the relationship that substitutable suburbs have in an area. For example, whilst we all might be a bit patriotic in the city of Belmont about being in the city of Belmont, each suburb actually competes with each other for that demand for people who want to live in the city of Belmont. And a lot of that comes down to, I guess, the product at the time, but also the value for money seen 
in the product at the time. Uh, for example, if someone is looking specifically in Belmont and the Belmont price really starts to rise, they may go, well, you know what, that one over in Rivervale, which is perceivably a better suburb, is actually only a couple of percent more expensive than this one. We may as well just buy in Rivervale and so on and so forth, as you would know, Devin. Can you speak to that in terms of the relationship the suburbs have had over the last five years with each other with regards to how demand has flowed through on there? Cloverdale, we know, is at the bottom end, for example, Redcliffe on the bottom end, Cudale, Rivervale at the top end. How has it progressed over the years as everything's become more expensive? Four or five years ago, Cudale, Rivervale were the go-to suburbs in the city of Belmont. But slowly but surely, as those suburbs have been redeveloped, and a lot of them at the R5100 zone with the three-storey apartments, a lot of people have gravitated now towards Cloverdale because of the wide open spaces, the R20 zoning where you haven't got big apartments next door. So currently I've got one for sale in Hardy Road, which predominantly wouldn't have been a go-to for the average buyer. I've probably had 30 inquiries over the last 24 hours on a 350 metre 4x2 in Cloverdale. Now we're talking six to six fifty on that. That wouldn't have transacted about four hundred grand five years ago, would it? It would it wouldn't have got anywhere near that. I think the lack of stock, the lack of quality homes is really pushing people to look at other avenues. And the cheaper end of town definitely is Cloverdale. Belmont and Cudale are very tightly held and Cloverdale's probably an old investor area where the investors are letting go of properties and the owner-occupiers are coming in, snapping up those properties rather than go out to Forestfield, High Wycombe, Maddington, South Guildford. They still want to stay close to the Belmont City hub. You're suggesting that the densification of a Rivervale, which is to be frank, being seen as the best suburb, I think, in, in the city of Belmont, is actually starting to become a negative on the suburb and people are migrating to the suburb that hasn't actually been developed yet in Cloverdale, even though it's definitely been seen historically as the lowest socioeconomic suburb in the area. Well, when you consider the amount of street parking required with a lot of the high-density apartments, some of the streets in Rivervale have been turned into 100, maybe 300 cars in a street. Just parking on the verge. Just, just living in the apartments, out on the street, out on the verges. It's not a nice place to live if you had mum, dad and the two kids and a dog. So I think if you go to areas in Cloverdale, Belmont, you can still find those suburban streets that are safe enough to have a game of cricket out the front. That's a really interesting perspective, Devon. It's not one that I expected to hear that Rivervale was actually suffering from its own densification and that the winner here was a Cloverdale, which for the most part, I believe the socioeconomic limitations have been simply because of the airport noise. Has any of that changed with, with the changing of the airport location as well? I believe the air traffic has eased up with the changing of the runways. Fridays is always going to be a busy day out on the runways but Rivervale look has got its pockets that are extremely expensive but if you get into the mid areas of Rivervale it can get very busy and as those developments age they are going to become maybe an ugly duckling. I don't disagree with it and I think we will look back in a few years time maybe 10 years time at some of these R50 level developments those three-story walk-ups as investment stock in a suburb that really should have been promoted to be a bit more high quality given its location, right? It is a phenomenal location, Rivervale, but obviously mixes with some light industrial and, and all those sort of spots in there. The buyer pool, obviously it was a lot harder for you five years ago to get someone to buy something 
in the city of Belmont. These days, you've got no time to work through all the offers you've got. You just had 30 on one in Cloverdale. How has that buyer pool changed as the price points have changed? It's absolutely dramatic, the buyer change. We're dealing mainly with investors as far as your development sites, anything above 600,000. If it's not a pretty as a picture with a white picket fence, we're definitely selling to investors. We are getting a truckload of investors from interstate inquiring at the moment, and they're buying off videos and pictures, sometimes just straight offers, sight unseen. Look, the first home buyers have been pushed out. They've been relegated down to the apartments and the units only, unless they've got the bank of mum and dad behind them. They're strictly buying two one and little three bedroom units. Sellers, I'm assuming a lot of the sellers you've got these days are investors that are finally getting their money back after a decade of waiting. I've sold one this morning for a guy that has been waiting for many years to get his money back. He's hit the jackpot this morning and picked up another 30 on top of what he paid. So he's a very happy camper at the moment. We're finding a lot of the older people that are retiring are letting go of the big blocks and letting go of investments that they've had for many, many years. Look, they're in front. They've bought properties between 50,000 and 150,000 and they're selling between five and 900. So they're in front any way they look. Where are those downsizers moving to? Are they staying in the city of Belmont? Um, or is there not enough of an option? There's not really many options for them. And I've always been a, a delegate for the over 55 developments, which no one's really jumped on. They're going country. They're going tree change. They're going sea change. Town of Vic Park? Not really Town of Vic Park. Oh, there's probably a couple of them that are going over the Swan Cottages. But it's just a cycle, I think, at the moment. The investment properties, if they're cheap enough, they're getting snapped up by owner-occupiers because they've got nowhere to live either, especially the cheaper units. Look, at the start of the episode, we revealed that you are an oracle of the city of Belmont. If people listened to you five years ago, they probably nearly doubled their money in that five-year period on that development block that you were talking about. Let's try it again. If you had 600s, for example, early 600s in your pocket, no more, no less, what sort of product would you be buying right now in the city of Belmont and why? Okay, if I had that sort of money, I would still be going for the quarter acre, three by one. I don't think land goes out of style and they're not making any more. You are surrounded by units and townhouses. The other option, if you wanted higher rate of return, would be to go for a brand new townhouse, four by two, double garage. A higher rental yield is what you're talking about. Yeah, higher rental yield on those townhouses, but I'd still be looking at the land. Are there many options left? Are there many full blocks left in the city of Belmont? They are. You've just got to scratch really hard and call the right agents. Generally, they're sold off market. And that's another conversation to have. But I assume not much goes off market these days. I assume most sellers want to take it to market. You're selling a lot of property expressions of interest these days, letting the market tell you what it's worth. If I was a budding first home buyer or even an investor developer looking to get into the market and struggling in the city of Belmont, what would be your hot tips right now to get an opportunity to get in front of everyone else and have that signature on the contract of sale? First home buyers, you really have to be working with a leading agent and you have to be loyal to that agent. Agents spend a lot of time trying to find properties for buyers. So you need to stick with that agent and you need to hound him because he's very time poor at the moment. As far as developers go, you again, you need to be with an agent that can source land, that can source the whole package. 
what about settlement terms? What are we expecting these days as a bare minimum? If you don't have these terms, don't bother putting an offer in. You need pre-approved finance. 21 days for finance would be maximum with a 21-day settlement. I did get a deal on the weekend, 14-day settlement cash offer. You can't um, beat that, can you? You've just got to move very quickly. When it comes to building inspections, pest inspections, have you seen many people taking the initiative to go and do their own so that they don't need it as a condition on their offer? No, they're sort of going to burn $500 without a contract in place. So my recommendation is always secure the home and then go to work on the inspections. Okay, so it's too much of a lottery, you think, to spend the money? and most sellers would be totally fine with a building in pest. I mean, uh, surely there aren't people out there buying homes, cash, without a building inspection these days. They probably wouldn't do that, but you probably, again, you wouldn't be organising inspection without securing the property. So it's good to know where that touch point is in the city of Belmont. Every city has their own expectations or local agents there about what the minimum threshold is. And it sounds like get your finance approved and build relationships with those top agents in the area. And that's your first ticket to securing something. At some point in time, the lovable larrikin pest has to get an offer accepted, right? I did ring a guy this morning and said, I've got one coming up and he's raring to go. He wants to look at it today. I've had to put him off till tomorrow just <laughs> so the owner can tidy up the house for the inspection. But all going well, he'll put an offer in and we'll get a deal done. This is the theme we're hearing across the state at the moment. There really isn't a suburb in Perth under a million dollars that is not feeling this pressure and that doesn't include top agents that aren't struggling simply to field phone calls all day, let alone write offers up. How are the listings going? You're obviously a very popular man, but a lot of agents I speak to these days, if they had anything they were struggling with, it was it was just getting something to sell in the first place. There's only, there's less than 4,000 properties on the market right now. I'm having a good run. Obviously, I do a lot of development with developers. So far this month, I've listed 23 homes. I normally carry 30 to 40 properties, but with my developments, I'm probably up to around 60. Wow. So yeah, I know your traditional agents on your established uh, zone are all sitting between two and 10 properties, but I prefer to create listings and chase them. Sounds like if you're looking in the city of Belmont, you need to be speaking to Devin Kelly. Thanks a lot, Trent. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!